to follow you, but we often find it hard to believe that you would actually want us because we know what we're like. Speak, O Lord, and help us to hear your voice and dare to believe that you are calling us and longing for us to respond. For the sake of your kingdom of love, amen. Well, a Bible verse that we would do well to learn, if you haven't already uh, learnt it, is Ephesians 2, verse 8. It's a key scripture. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Grace is the gift of God. And a few weeks ago, and I was together with these wonderful people in the confirmation class uh, in my office, we were thinking about different aspects of the Christian faith, and we were focusing on grace. And I gave them a mnemonic for grace, and I'm not going to test them now, just in case they've forgotten what it is. Uh, But G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Worth remembering that one when you're trying to remember what grace is all about. God's riches at Christ's expense. And if you like, it's the opposite to karma. Karma is about getting what you deserve. Grace is about getting what you don't deserve. God's riches at Christ's expense. And a book recommendation for those of you who are looking for something to read is uh, a wonderful little book uh, by Philip Yancey and it's called What's So Amazing About Grace? It's easy to read and it's very helpful. And towards the end of Yancey's book, uh, he writes these words. The hymn Amazing Grace was written by John Newton, a cruel slave trader. He first called out to God in the midst of a storm that nearly threw him overboard. Newton came to see the light only gradually, continuing to ply his trade even after his conversion. He wrote the song, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds, which we shall sing a little later, while waiting in an African harbor for a shipment of slaves. Later, though, he renounced his profession. He became a minister and joined William Wilberforce in the fight against slavery. John Newton never lost sight of the depths from which he had been lifted. He never lost sight of grace. And when he wrote that saved a wretch like me, he meant those words with all his heart. It might even be that Newton may have borrowed an old tune sung by the slaves themselves, redeeming the song just as he had been redeemed. Newton deserved karma, but God saved him by his undeserved favor, the favor of grace. Through his faith in Christ Jesus, his savior, John Newton's life was transformed. Grace is amazing because it's not about what you do. It's not about what I do. Grace is about God's action and God's nature, supremely expressed for us in Christ our Savior. Now, in our epistle lesson, 
in Ephesians 2 verse 1, we were reminded that as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Nothing you can do about that. In St. Paul, he put in his letter to the Romans, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We deserve nothing from God, yet, and this is the wonderful thing, yet in God's love, because God is love, he loves us because of who he is and despite of who we are. Like a good parent, the father heart of God never gives up on his children, always wanting the best for them, despite misunderstandings, disobedience, and even rejection. Just think of that story we had in the gospel lesson. The demon-possessed man. He was in a terrible state. He was uncontrollable. He was noisy. He was naked. And why? Well, the scriptures say he was possessed. In Jesus' time, demons were understood to be spirits that manifested in attitudes and behavior that rebelled against God. And here in this story, we see a total rebellion against God in this possessed man. What did the community do? Well, the community's response was to restrain him in chains. But Jesus came to the man and delivered him from what was a living death. Jesus was willing to cross boundaries, geographical, racial, cultural, spiritual, to enter a damaged and divided world and to hear in this story, heal one of its most vulnerable victims. Someone once said, grace is the love of God shown to the unlovely, the peace of God given to the restless, the unmerited favor of God. So grace is all about God and what he does for us. It's his plan, his initiative, his work. It's his son, it's his redemption. It's his blessing that he brings. And it all starts before we're even aware of it. I love those passages like with Jeremiah, before I knew you in the womb, I called you. Before we even know a thing. John Wesley believed in prevenient grace. It's rooted in Armenian theology. And it's the grace that precedes human decisions. God starts showing love to us before we even know it. God's spirit, if you like, is wooing us towards our creator God. And Wesleyan Arminians believe that grace enables us, but it doesn't ensure It doesn't ensure a personal acceptance of the gift of salvation. That's down to us. But all the time, the Spirit of God is drawing us towards him. And that is prevenient grace for you and for me. But we must respond to that. 
And today is a confirmation service. And I love confirmation services because it means that we've been traveling together as a group. We've been thinking about God being at work in your life. And I believe the Spirit of God has been moving in your hearts and bringing you to this point. His prevenient grace. And you've got now to a point where you say, what happened at my baptism, I confirm is now what I believe. And we're thrilled for the six that are going to be uh, confirmed this morning. My predecessor, the Reverend Dr. Martin Atkins, was responsible for the infant baptism liturgy that we use in the Methodist worship book. And it's one of my favorite liturgies. Don't tell him that, because he'll... (laughs) But it's one of my favorite liturgies. I love the words. They're wonderful. Because when I have a baby in my arms and I say the following words, I find it so moving. And as I say them now, I say them over you as well, gathered in this place. For you, Jesus Christ came into the world. For you, he lived and showed God's love. For you, he suffered death on the cross. For you, he triumphed over death rising to newness of life. For you, he prays at God's right hand. All this for you. Before you could know anything of it. That's grace. Prevenient grace. And we don't deserve it. And yet it's poured out from the heart of our maker. He longs for us to respond to him. He longs for us to cry out to him. It's Father's Day today. I've had a text from my son. My daughter's still asleep. I'll get one soon uh, when she wakes up in America and uh, I'll speak to them later. But it reminds me of a story uh, of something that happened in my first ministerial appointment uh, when we had a service of Holy Communion. This is a long time ago, as you will see. I dusted down my best clerical garb. I really looked the part. There was a hush of expectation in the air. About 200 people gathered there in that service. And I went to lift the cloth off the elements and folded it nicely and then with great joy and faith I exclaim those words lift up your hearts and you know what comes next everyone's supposed to say we lift them to the Lord but before they could even get those words out I went lift up your hearts and my one-year-old son said daddy and (laughs) everyone everyone found it so moving at that moment and uh, they all laughed spontaneously and my wife Frances who was holding him at the time went bright red Uh, but Jonathan had recognized his daddy even though it was from a distance and he simply wanted to call out he just wanted to do what he did when he saw me in my jeans and my sweatshirt made no difference where I was I was dressed in a black cassock, leading a dignified service in front of a lot of people. Jesus came to show people that the almighty creator can also be 
our loving heavenly Father. Jesus taught his disciples to pray to God, Abba, which means Daddy. And all of us, when we come to communion today, whether we kneel or stand, however we take communion, can kneel and cry out to God, Abba. It's course, it's important that I never lose sight that God is awesome in his majesty and his holiness. But by his grace, in a mysterious way, he wants to be known intimately. He wants us to cry out to him. And these folk today, I just encourage you to keep crying out to the Lord. You're on that journey. He is your heavenly father, your heavenly mother. He is there for you. But we must respond and actually receive what he's giving us. You see, the demon-possessed man in this story was separated from God separated from normal human life. He was naked. He'd been living among the tombs for a long time. And this story, one of the longest uh, healing stories in in the Bible, shows that there's no situation that God cannot or will not be involved in. We need to remember that in our Christian witness and our Christian mission. Jesus came and changed that man's life. For that possessed man was a man who needed salvation. He was changed physically, mentally, spiritually once Jesus engaged with him. Jesus came to him. And once he was healed, he sat at Jesus' feet. Did you notice that in the reading? Like a disciple. He had been cured. He had been saved. And Jesus told him to stay where he was, not to join the disciples, the other ones, but to proclaim enthusiastically what God has done. And when God meets us by grace, he will have something for us to do, to go and tell others of what Jesus means to us. And it won't necessarily be the same discipleship route as others, but he will put you where he wants you to be, to be a witness for him. I wonder if today in this service, as we support these people who are being confirmed as a gracious gift of God and then make their promises, that take time to consider whether we really do give thanks for the way that God, our Heavenly Father and Mother, has been at work in our lives. Often we don't understand it at the time. But just look back over your life and see those times when you can recognize the trace of divine activity in our years. And I challenge you today Don't resist the irresistible if you've been doing it for a while. Sometimes we just need to abandon ourselves and put our faith and our trust with what his spirit is saying to us.
Because I believe God is at work in his world. He's at work in your life. He is at work in this service today. And the issue is whether we respond to him or not. Max Lucado put it like this. Grace is God's best idea. His decision to ravage people by love to rescue passionately and to restore justly, what rivals it? Of all his wondrous works, grace, in my estimation, says Licardo, is the magnum opus. And I believe it's the grace of God in Jesus Christ that makes the Christian faith different from all other faiths. Now, I've attempted to say something about grace today because it's something we shared together in our group. My challenge is, will you recognize it? Will you receive it? Will you respond to it? And then will you go and be gracious people in the world who love those who don't deserve it, care for those who don't deserve it, but who God loves The world needs grace in order to find freedom. And it's the Holy Spirit that will perfect us in love in the tradition of our Methodist faith if we will be gracious servants and witnesses who long for everyone to know the saving power of Jesus and discover life in all its fullness. Amen. wonder if we can sing Wesley's words, God of all power.